0: You're tuned in to the Neo Academy podcast. My name's Mark, and welcome to another episode of Neo Chats, deep dive conversations into the culture of education. Hey, okay, uh, welcome to Neo Chats once again, and great to be back. And to this week, we've got special guest Mark Amana. It's a pleasure to have you with us Um, Thank for you. the people in our network, would you mind just telling just a, a short summary about, you know, what it is that you do?
1: All right. So, uh, in my, maybe first of all, a little bit by myself. Uh, so my name is Mark Havana. I was born in Paris uh, from a Lebanese father, Dutch, Spanish mother. I grew up in Paris and afterwards lived in the Netherlands, traveled around the world much for, uh, for work and, uh, and for pleasure and uh, found my uh, my home in Barcelona, which is the city where I live today. And in the professional area, I focus on leadership development, uh, team development, and international business skills. And within leadership especially, is how to get the most out of diversity rather than, than uh, only uh, focusing on the numbers. Uh, it's really about how to make diversity work, how to utilize the power of diversity to reach better decisions, more creativity, more innovation. So that's what I focus on.
0: Yeah, this stuff is, is fascinating, especially in the area of team building. And just to kind of get more out of this, I wanted to ask just a very um, sort of short question, which is mm-hmm. what, what exactly is it that diversity means to you in the context of what you work with?
1: Diversity to me means, uh, means, first of all, acknowledging the fact that we are the same in many ways and we are different in many ways and respecting those differences, but also utilizing these differences, rather than trying to make everybody the same and see the same is really, that's where, that's where the, the, uh, the, the crossroad of creativity really lies in diverse opinions. However, diverse opinions, if you have differences, it also leads to friction often, if you just look at the news, look at the world around us. Uh, different values, different opinions, different worldviews automatically leads to disagreement often, if not well managed. And I believe that is the role of of leadership to effectively manage this diversity and ensure that friction leads to results rather than to to breaking down the harmony within a group.
0: So in that sense, you would focus on the the leadership angle rather than you know things like the organizational culture per se you would, you would work really with with leadership about how do you um build those skills to use diversity as an asset to bring out well, the- i
1: believe everyone. i believe it's, it begins it starts and it ends indeed with with leadership to build a to build an organizational culture you need to focus on on the leaders first of all they are they play the most important role within, within the, the organizational culture, I believe. Especially nowadays, uh, uh, in times of, uh, of people working from home, all organizations, their eyes and ears are their leaders because they don't get to see their employees anymore on a daily basis. They go, don't get to walk up to, to, to people's desks and to, to check in and, and get an idea of how people are doing. It's through the leaders that, that this is done.
0: it's interesting you you bring that point up and it's um now i know you're based in barcelona and you know i i spent 10 years working at barcelona and i did find quite a pervasive tendency towards presenteeism um in i'm not even going to say leadership but management really there Mm -hmm. um um, i'm sure spain is not the only not the only place for sure um in terms of working with leaders i mean at what point do you feel people are ready to work On this because of course you have to meet people where they are no you can't simply i mean i guess you go through some kind of vetting before you can establish whether or not this is actually going to be worthwhile
1: working together or how do you how do you do that you mean how i select how do i select the people that i actually work with yeah um well of course indeed i'm quite quite selective in who i do work with and who i don't work with of course there has to be a certain certain openness to uh, to, uh, first of all, also be critical about yourself and what do you need to change as a leader? Because ultimately, that's where it starts. Anytime that I, that I uh, say, get a question from, okay, within my team, there are these and these problems, My one of my first questions is, and what is your role into having created this problem and keeping it alive? Because ultimately, it's about the dynamic between the leader and his or her team, which creates either success or problems. It's not only oh I often I often work with leaders who started the first conversation saying, Yeah, this and this and this needs to change in my team. But if they're not willing to look in the mirror into the mirror and say, okay, what do I need to change to change these dynamics within my team, then we won't go anywhere because it's it's ultimately about both.
0: Yeah, some some very um challenging conversations, I'm sure. Yeah. Especially at the beginning. <laughs>
1: Especially at the beginning it's of course it's difficult to to how to say that the person who hires you who contracts you to at some point so also tell them you're part of the problem it's a very fine very fine line yes, and uh, how yep. to do that uh, diplomatically and and uh, but uh, of course that's so that's definitely an important point yeah
0: but this comes back to mark I mean what you say and on even on your your LinkedIn summary um what you're what you're describing is um there's a coherence between what you're uh, you know what you're trying to help bring out in others mm-hmm. and what you're actually doing in your professional practice because the one thing that you you mention, you know very clearly is purpose and so right. if your sense of purpose is to get the best out of each individual that's inherent in them then of course you can't shy away from those difficult conversations uh and i wonder just to build on that when you talk about leading from purpose how how do you get there and how do you stay there?
1: How do you get to leading from purpose and how do you stay in leading from purpose? Well, of course, it's, it starts with with having more insight into you as a person, knowing about your personal history. Where What were the most challenging moments in your life? What did you learn from them? Which decisions did you take at these challenging moments in your life? How do they define you? But also, what were the the most successful moments in life and what brought you to these moments. So, so it's, it's purpose. It's also your identity and the roles that you play in life uh, professionally, but also personally, these roles define you as a leader In, in the end, personally and professionally is, is very, very closely related. The problem, if you experience certain problems at work, it's very likely that you will experience these same problems in, in your private life. Right. Uh, uh, from there also the values and beliefs that that define you as a leader and being staying true to those so so that is that is ultimately uh, on a personal level and then the question is how do you translate these to a team how do you stay true to yourself while still adapting to to your surroundings and to the people you interact with Mm -hmm. and I believe it's like it's like being invited, being invited somewhere. You you stay yourself, but you adapt to the local norms and rules, and and you try maybe to learn the local language in order to better connect with people, right? Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you're not staying true to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, um, you know, the
1: wor- words like
0: integration are, are often misunderstood. As Mm -hmm. well you know the difference between integration and assimilation are you know is is, is, there's a clear clear difference there um there's there's a kind of um an interesting connection between the processes here i mean if you're working with with leaders to Mm -hmm. first of all i mean it's inward bound first of all isn't it it's like that's where it starts yeah what are my values what's Mm -hmm. important to me um you know what have i learned like you're talking about reflective practice on the experiences in your life both Mm Um, positive and challenging. Um, in terms of moving that towards the team, I mean, how, are these two separate kind of lines of work that you do, or are you able? How are you able to shift from when you get sort of the breakthrough moment with within the leadership to then move to um, okay, if you found this out about yourself, what about mm-hmm. and you extend that empathy to your team and imagine all of these processes within these unique individuals, right? And, and and if you found that this process gave you strength can you imagine that this could be the same for your team is that the way you cross the bridge or do you do you kind of align those two processes simultaneously
1: ultimately if indeed if you if you're unable to lead yourself then you also won't be able to lead others and the process of leading yourself ultimately is very similar to how to lead others uh, uh, ultimately as human beings we're driven by two forces it's it's having uh, is acquiring more pleasure and avoiding pain right these are the two and and, and of course the model of carrot and the stick is, is very very uh, outdated however these two driving forces as human beings that's what 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 motivates us to to change what so so if you know how to lead yourself and you know these mechanisms for yourself and you know your your shadow sides and what triggers you into ineffective behavior that it will automatically help you more effective in interactions with others Mm -hmm. right it's ultimately it's about being aware of these processes rather than reacting without without awareness so would you say that i mean if you're
0: working with a leader now of course the objective at the end is you know if this leadership if this leader has got to a point where as you say they can lead themselves and understood Mm -hmm. and internalized the idea that okay now i am able to to more effectively lead others Um, Do you find that um, that process, I mean, is it sort of metacognitive? Do you kind of um, do you sort of think aloud about the process or draw attention to the process by which they're going through this so they can then apply that to their team? Because how how do they, you know, understanding about yourself is one thing, but learning how to bring out um, the best through diversity in your team as a leader is surely another
1: thing. Let me give you an, an example, indeed, is um, a process that I that I use a lot is is that of uh, Marshall Goldsmith. Uh, I don't know if you've, uh, you've heard of him, uh, The Practice of Feed Forward. And one of the first things I ask leaders to do is to, first of all, get in touch with your team and ask them, what is a quality that defines me as a leader, that brought me where I am today? And the second question is, what is a behavior despite which I am where I am today, right? We all have qualities that brought us where we are and there are certain behaviors despite which we have still gotten there, right? <laughs> it's not only about learning new things, it's also about unlearning certain things, certain ineffective things. This process of, of collecting uh, uh, improvement focus areas from your team and then following up your team on how can I actually improve that? Once you know that this is what I want to improve, you also have to get ideas, actionable ideas on how am I actually going to realize a change, okay? Mm-hmm. Once you have started working on this change, you need to check in with your team every now and then. How am I doing? To which extent am I displaying the new behavior that I, that I promised to display? And ultimately that defines your success as a leader. This process for a leader is ultimately the same for a team. Within a team, a team that's not functioning, where there's a lack of trust, where there's a lack of, Of being able to communicate openly about sensitive topics where where people don't give each other feedback where they close off meetings without clear decisions all these these typical problems that may exist in a team uh, ultimately come down to the same thing team members asking each other what is a quality that i bring to the team and what is something that i can change for the good of our team this and and proactively following up with each other on these improvement focus areas and and, and measuring progress, it's a, it's like kaizen, right? Kaizen is the, the Japanese continuous philosophy of c- continuous improvement. It's a little by a little by little every every time uh, uh, steps forward. But you have to do it with your environment, with your ecosystem. So I believe leadership development as well as team development is not only focusing on one person; it's about the whole ecosystem.
0: Now, interestingly, mentioning kaizen you know, and that kind of incremental, almost iterative development. And particularly, as you say, um, in keeping with your environment, which is always fluid, um, and we can never make assumptions about what is two steps ahead, especially in today's world. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, All everything you're describing, to me sounds like the ideal um, container for your framework for education, you know, for, for learning, but yet, it's so what i want without me kind of preempting your answer here mm-hmm. to what extent um does your own sort of education formal education um reflect this process you know where did you all of this uh, insight and knowledge into what learning really is and how effective it is where did you get that was it from formal education if not why not and
1: where did this come into things well, of course, in my in my own experiences, I've made many mistakes, and I think that's the only way to become an expert at uh, things, right? It's <laughs> by so making lots of mistakes. Uh, in my own experiences, as uh, in managing teams and in my own personal development, you have to if, if you if you haven't, let's say, experienced these problems yourself, then it's it's very difficult to to translate that to someone else. So, so uh, where I have my experience from is is working with people, and it's of course also my own. My own journey in life and dealing with, with my own diversity. For example, I mean, if I told you very shortly about my own background. As you can imagine, it might also be an. It is sometimes also a little bit an inner conflict between the Lebanese part and the Dutch part. How do I deal with these opposites, right? I, I think also in 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 terms of my hobbies. My hobbies are also as diverse as can be, from, from from vipassana meditation, for example, and stoicism, which are more reflective and uh, 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 things. On the other side, Muay Thai, Krav Maga, uh, motorcycle, uh, motorcycles. I mean, it's a much more adrenaline-type of thing, right? These are also, again, extremes. So, how to deal with extremes? I believe it's it's uh, uh, it's our models nowadays tend to be tend to be um, half logics. So we're saying, are you task-oriented or are you people-oriented? Are you introvert or are you extrovert? Ultimately, the question is. Which your question asking here, breathing in or breathing out? It's not just breathing in or breathing out. It's, it's And that's what organizations struggle with, leaders struggle with. It. Should we focus on the long term? Should we focus on the short term? Should we centralize or decentralize? It's not about one or the other. It's about maneuvering in between these two.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely. I, I think that the, the mentality of everything fitting into a box, I mean, it, 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 starts really when in education you know you've got these kind of assessment types these summative assessments um, that we expect that people to demonstrate certain things on a certain day at a certain time of our choosing and not their choosing mm-hmm. and then the mentality continues you know it's it's almost like everything is designed for the convenience of reporting and not the reality of the world um, exactly exactly that that seems to be a very dangerous mentality in a volatile uncertain world where we you know when things shift and you can see it you could see it in the pandemic you know some uh-huh. some individuals teams or organizations were ready to thrive they they pivoted they they rolled with it they had the flexible structures in place um uh-huh. and they were able to just see a way forward you know whereas others just kind of chasing their tail you know
1: exactly yeah. I like them. what you're saying, uh, uh, what you're saying, in the area of, of diversity and inclusion, I think that's for many organizations Organizations also what's happening, just measuring, measuring how many people of this group do we have, how many people of this group do we have, but it's ultimately, I believe it's not about that, it's about, it's not about only really diversity, it's really about inclusion and the, yeah. the experience of feeling excluded we all have had that experience at some point in our lives, right? It's we all have felt at some point that we weren't being invited to the party, that we weren't allowed to play with these other people. So that's where the conversation needs to start. I think it's about it's about inclusivity. It's not only it's not about only measuring uh, how many people do have this group, how many people that group. No, I actually like there's a TED talk on I think it's the uh, chief diversity officer of. Uh, of eBay, who has a, a very beautiful TED talk about this, about humanizing diversity and inclusion. And this is one of the, th- this is one of his points, really. That's where we need to start the conversation. And if you talk about leadership and how to translate this to your team, it's, that's where it starts. It's about every leader realizing that also I have felt excluded at, at certain points in my life. And that's what, what they, they uh, if, that's the starting point for creating an inclusive team or being an inclusive leader
0: you're straying into the area of vulnerability there which is yeah. kind of an emerging thing in a way in 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 well in, i mean the business world it's is very it's very tricky isn't it because you're you're dealing with ego um mm-hmm. you know yeah. Uh, yeah in a big way
1: that's um, a big word the e-word indeed that's that's what yeah. it's all about yeah
0: <laughs> yeah and it's it's very difficult i mean it's one thing to very gently um introduce the concept that hey maybe before going like this you should try this first and explore actually- that i mean that's difficult enough but then to i mean the, the the conversation you're kind of simulating there about um here a leader saying here are times when i felt excluded um i could see a lot of resistance there from leaders i've, I've seen it in, in working with um different groups of people and you see the, the way that people behave when the the hierarchies are are mixed and yeah. people are less willing to break rank and show themselves
1: hmm yeah yeah i like besides vulnerability i like i like uh the world the word of self-disclosure
0: mm-hmm.
1: and self-disclosure for me is, is really indeed opening up to to the world around you and and sharing indeed your doubts and your fears and and all these things and ultimately I think that's what needs to happen more because the the I say the often the teams that I work with where there's as we said like a lack of trust a lack of clear decisions no more feedback their problem often is that they have been avoiding these crucial conversations for way too long if if this is what you call undercurrent right if 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 you something bothers you about the behavior of someone else or you feel excluded by, by uh, uh, someone else's way of acting and you don't express that at the moment in a constructive way, if you keep it inside, ultimately, this will affect the relationship. Uh, so it's about having these conversations, these crucial conversations, and clearing the air right away rather than letting this this negative energy sink down into the water. I, I would l- like to give the, f- the metaphor of a fish, right? Every time that this happens, it's a fish in the water. If you let that fish just swim around in the water, it starts eating, 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 it becomes a bigger fish at some point, it becomes a shark. And this shark undermines the effectiveness of the team. It undermines the relationships within the team. And, and ultimately after a while, that's where someone like me uh, come, has to come in to, 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 well, to help solve these problems. I believe a lot of problems can be solved if we just would open up a little bit more to each other and need we're able to put our egos aside every now and then
0: absolutely and you know i mean that's that's where where true empathy um really begins doesn't it when there's you know when there's not a barrier there i mean you mentioned the word unlearning earlier on and it does seem like there's so much of that uh, it, it's a shame that I mean uh, unlearning at a certain level in terms of cognitive flexibility is very healthy because we're constantly um, iterating. We're constantly discovering that okay, I thought this was the way it is, and now it turns out it's like this, and you've got to be adaptable to that. But in a more systemic sense, it's it's difficult that you know people are going through. They're getting to the stage of. Um, unfortunately, sometimes the stage of crisis before they work with, um, with coaching and things like this, which is really unfortunate um, to leave it that long. And often what they seem to be doing is they they have to unlearn um, social cultures and organisational cultures that told them that you have a home persona, and a work persona, Mm -hmm. and those two don't mix. And you can't bring your authentic self to work. And then if you can't bring your authentic self to work, or even in the home, sometimes too um how can you possibly expect to connect to anyone else and if that wall is up i can't imagine you will ever really see um that inner strength. you know the the authentic selves around you in your group um which seems like a huge waste of i mean talent if you want to put it very superficially but maybe potential really
1: yeah and a a waste of, of energy i mean how much energy does it cost to behave uh, and to pretend to be someone else that you're someone that you're not yeah how worn out do you do you end your days if you have been acting having to put on a mask all day i mean yeah yeah.
0: yeah and perhaps people don't realize they're carrying
1: that weight until they shed it exactly, um, exactly. so it must be very rewarding social social conditioning is ultimately where we come to and you know it's like this I like the the metaphor of social conditioning in terms of we're we're all drops in this big Amazon river and uh and uh we're just floating along with with the water, and we don't even see the the sides anymore. but if we want to change something, then first of all, we have to realize that we're in that river and and swimming against the current is is quite difficult right it's
0: yeah yeah. I wonder if you've in you know your interest in Vipassana meditation, if you read Journey to the East by Herman Hess.
1: I know Herman Hess, I didn't read this book.
0: I would I'd recommend it. And the metaphor you gave but me there is uh... very much like the metaphor of the boatman, um, who's um, he's working with the young Siddhartha uh-huh. uh, and, and and showing him that the surface of the river may appear to be um, you know uh, calm but underneath it's that there's there's two kind of currents um things are everything and nothing at the same time and it's 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 an amazing metaphor that he's not ready for the first time he's there but on his second journey finally makes sense and i think that unfortunately people are in their 30s and 40s and later until they actually start figuring this stuff out and so my next question to you is really about how do we how do we do how do we get um, generations of the future. So my niece is 16 years old. Mm. And already I can see the the world telling her to be a certain way. And there's not enough voices around her to say, you don't have to do that. Um, education, her, her schooling is certainly not helping it. Mm. Um, you know, we're, we're moving people through standardized, regimented tests. Um, what are we going to do about that? How do we help people get there earlier? Any ideas?
1: Wow, big, uh, big question, uh, Mark. <laughs> I don't know if I have an answer to that, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's indeed. What you said, it's indeed sad that, that we that we start working on these on these themes at an age where we've let a few decades of of, of these things build up, right? If we would be able to start at a much younger age on knowing really what what gives us energy what costs us energy uh, and knowing more about about who we who we are what triggers us what we find important in life and and ultimately what we consider to be a good a good lived life a well-lived life right mm-hmm. begin with the end in mind what what do we want to, to get out of life then we would be able to solve so much so much uh, you know, so much of the things that we need to work with people on later on in life right so but I believe there are a few a few uh, beautiful initiatives. Uh, uh, I believe there is. Uh, I heard this Learn Life. You ever heard about this?
0: Yes, yes. We're, we we work with them actually.
1: You work with them, yeah. Yeah, we know them very well. Good. Well, so so I believe I believe there are many. I, I believe in this school is is essential. Mm-hmm. Is essential here in how we we condition uh, young people at these at these crucial ages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, to be honest, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a domain of expertise of mine, but I believe the, the essence of it would be starting much earlier with with the things that we do in, in a professional context at a later age to start, start at a much younger age.
0: Which seems to be, if, I, if, if I've got the theme right that's kind of running through this, is it, it's, it's almost a practice of letting go, hmm. it, it, trying not to control and not to fit everything into boxes and excels and um yeah. and, and have a more iterative approach well a, a more fluid approach which is really
1: indeed what what we are uh, as human beings we're conditioned and programmed to put things in boxes right continuously
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely for convenience uh, of of processing and
1: yeah otherwise we have to figure out the world every every day from yeah scratch yeah
0: yeah you know and, and i mean i understand as well that you know there are certain you know neurological factors i mean we can't really expect people to completely understand themselves hundred percent before their prefrontal cortex is developed at 25 years old or whatever. I mean, I understand there's, you know, people are not going to be 10 years old and saying, I know exactly what I want from life, but, but at least, at least creating the space. around I find it
1: interesting what you're saying now. I have the feeling actually that, that most of us at, at a young age, perhaps 10 years old, a little bit later, we, we, we often tend to know better what we want out of life than later on in life, because later on in life, there has been <laughs> I mean, so many layers of social conditioning over yep. it and people telling us this would be good for you and this would not be good for you and, and this is what we expect of you and this would make us very happy if you did that. Mm-hmm. This, yeah. So I think it's actually, yeah, sorry. You wanted to say something?
0: No, I think I think that there's definitely something in that that we, we say to to you know kids have a reaction to something and we say, it's because they don't know how the world is as if they've yet to learn and the way the world is is the right thing hmm. but, you know it's as you say that to trust that um innate reaction to something yeah. as well i yeah. mean c- kids don't want you know they they want to play they want to discover um yeah. things themselves they don't want to sit in a classroom with some somebody reading something from a projector or a powerpoint or whatever exactly. i mean that's and they know that, and we tell them, "Well, this is the way the world is," as if they have to conform. Yeah,
1: it's exactly. Yeah. It's not... I remember this. The next memory is a conversation. I think it was my my first job, and I saw within that first job, I saw, I saw many things that could have done better in my my own na- naivete. you know? but I remember indeed speaking with my boss about it and sharing all these ideas. I mean, we should do this. We should do that some Point, he said, Well, Mark, I see indeed there is still you're still young and very enthusiastic, and you think that you can change the world, but you'll see later on in life that this is it doesn't work that way, you'll become more realistic as, as, years, as years go by. And I thought, Well, wow, how sad! I hope that I will never become like that. <laughs> I, yeah, I never want to be a realist like, uh, like that because it's like, yeah, but ultimately, time does, does indeed, uh, yeah narrow your uh, your vision in terms of possibilities.
0: Yeah, I I absolutely resonate with that experience and I've had similar experiences as well where you know, I've been sitting down to, you know, uh working and and being told, "Oh, we're going to make your your contract permanent." And there you go, you've got a job for life.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and
0: <laughs> and I'm smiling and thinking, don't think so. Yeah, I, like I mean, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. We we never know. We never know what's around the corner. Of course. So yeah. Right. Well, you've said a, a lot of really interesting things, Mark, and it's been um inspirational to hear. I'm just really always enthusiastic, always um grateful to know there are people out there like yourself doing fighting the good fight. <laughs> um,
1: doing doing uh, doing what we can. Yeah
0: yeah no it's great i mean do you i mean do you find um you must find that your work feels rewarding and purposeful no is there are there are there moments where you where you think i'm just not making the impact i want to is there you know these these challenges or
1: i i uh i i feel that i'm one of the lucky few that i can say really i would do this work even if i wouldn't get paid for it that's yeah. Definitely, and I've I, I've experienced moments in my career where that was very different, where it, where my work cost me a lot of energy, and uh, yeah. Uh, but I feel that every every interaction, of course, you don't always get the results that you that you want. Every every interaction, every team, every leader is different. Uh, uh, so you can you never know what it's what it's gonna bring. Life's like a box of chocolates, as a, <laughs> as. A, how was the name again? Uh, Forrest, Gump. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump would say. <laughs> but uh, but I do feel my my work is very very rewarding. Uh, the uh, the uh, the impact that I'm able to make on on people and on really unifying people. I if in terms of in terms of purpose, this is really what I would see what I see as my purpose. Really unifying people and turning differences into into strengths.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it seems like um, and you mentioned how the differences can be conflictive, or they can be strengthening, and of course the, the differences okay. in the leader, no? Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think also for me, we talked about this in the beginning of this conversation. How does it connect to your to your personal history? Uh, uh, Lebanon, of course, a country maybe that you know with uh, eighteen official beliefs, where which has been. Uh, uh, it's it's one big disaster. It's one big disaster. People fighting with each other over different different beliefs and different truths on the world. I live in Barcelona, uh, and of course also here between Catalonia and Spain. Again, different worldviews, different different histories. Huh? Uh, and just look around the world; it just happens everywhere, and it's sad to see. I think it's so sad to see that that rather than having a constructive conversation and and trying to understand what the other, what's important to the other person, to the other party, and uh, so finding solutions, finding solutions that work for for everyone. I'm, they exist. I'm sure they always exist. The only thing that we have to do is to actively listen to each other, try to understand each other, and and work constructively rather than 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 blaming each other and and always. Think about any any conversation that you might have had with with a partner, right? If you start, if you're in a fight with your partner and, and they start bringing out their uh, their photographic photographic memory of all the errors that you made in the past, and then nothing nothing happens, you don't move forward, right? Yeah, yeah
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: So I think that's that's really the essence, and in terms of what brings me joy and purpose, and, and what I uh, makes me happy is being able to unify people, really resolving. Resolving conflict where I can, and, and turning that into into a, into a constructive atmosphere, which which produces results.
0: Amen to that. That's fantastic. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank, thank you, Mark. You. Um, I'm feeling a lot. I'm feeling uh, energized by talking to you. Actually. Thanks, Mark. Really and enjoyed the conversation. You so much for your time, and uh, we'll be sure to to link to the talk actually that you mentioned as well. And I think this is a topic we we definitely need to come back to. I'm definitely interested in digging more into um, creative and purposeful leadership and diversity as a strength. I seem to remember uh, Julius Caesar, uh, I think it was in the third Gallic Wars, the book that he wrote. He wrote it in the third person for some reason, but it was actually him that wrote it. Um, mm-hmm. And he said, show me a nation that is not fi- forged in fire, and I'll show you a nation that can be broken. And uh, I I've always liked that, that, you know, you have to go through that, that um, formative process of finding the, the unification. And then when you do find that on the other side, you're always going to be 10 times as strong.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I like what you said before. So you mentioned about about crisis. And uh, I believe in Chinese, the, the, the symbol for crisis and for opportunity is exactly the same. So in every crisis, there is an opportunity for growth. Yeah
0: absolutely yeah and we've seen it this year
1: Yeah, it is indeed. <laughs> some people
0: only saw the first
1: symbol exactly yeah. <laughs> uh, they will see this in the other symbol at some point yeah.
0: sure okay thank you very Thanks, much mark. mark it's been a pleasure all the Cheers. best
1: to you. okay all the best